Hello, and welcome to another podcast from the School of Surgery. My name is Ricky Ellis, an academic foundation trainee at the Royal Derby Hospital. And I'm joined today by Susie Hall, urology SD3, also at the Royal Derby Hospital. Today's podcast will be discussing application to core surgical training. In this podcast, we'll aim to discuss what core surgical training is, the application timeline, and we hope to provide you with some helpful tips on improving your application. This podcast is aimed at foundation doctors applying to the core surgical training program. Please note that dates and details provided are accurate for the 2016 CST applications. Please ensure that you check the CST application handbook and the ORIOL website for up-to-date deadlines and guidance on applications. Please also note that the views expressed in this podcast are of our own and do not represent the guidance or views of the course surgical training recruitment team. So Susie, can you just explain to us what course surgical training is, please? Hi, Ricky. Um, Core surgical training is a broad-based surgical training scheme. The idea is it prepares you for applications to higher surgical training posts. It usually combines of rotations of around four to six months, spread over two years. You can pick a specialty, and those specialties include Shortman Orthopaedics, General Surgery, Urology, Plastics, and some regions have other specialties as well. Brilliant, thank you. Now, you apply using an online centre application system known as Oriel. Please visit the Oriel website for more information on applications to core surgical training posts in England, Scotland and Wales. The core surgical training handbook is also very useful on how to apply. It's important to mention that applications to academic clinical fellowships are made separately. For more information on applying to ACF posts, please see the National Institute of Health Research website. So Susie, would it be possible to take us through the timeline of applying for core surgical training? So this starts surprisingly early during your F2 year. Have a look on the website for the specific dates, but you'll find that in early November you need to start um, having a look as the advertisements were published on the 5th of November. You'll then have a three-week time period to complete your online application, That's this year due to start on the 11th of November and finish on the 3rd of December. You'll then find um, whether or not you have been listed for an interview and your interviews will be at the end of January. Uh, This year they're going to be held between the 25th of January and the 5th of February. You'll find out whether or not you've had an offer by mid-March which you'll have to accept by the end of March. Brilliant, thank you. It's also important to note that they've actually changed the process this year. They're no longer doing a shortlisting process, which used to be based on a written application. Now, for core surgical training recruitment, all applicants that are eligible to apply receive an interview. So make sure you submit your details on time on Oriel and give it yourself enough time to speak to the recruitment office if you're having trouble with the process, such as uploading evidence. So... Susie, when you came to apply, how did you decide on which jobs you wanted to rank? And did you actually rank every job available? I actually found it easier to start off by ranking the theme jobs that I knew I wanted. So starting off by selecting only those with, for example, a urology theme. And then I ranked these according to the preference. So, for example, if you wanted to go into trauma and orthopaedics, you might decide you want to rank places with a major trauma centre included. I only ranked the jobs that I was willing to take on. If you rank a job and you're 
granted that job and then decide you don't want it later, that um, is not looked upon you favourably. And so any jobs that you're not willing to take, it'd be important to make sure you don't put in the column um, in which you are ranking. Brilliant, thank you. And when did you start thinking about applications? You should really start thinking about this as soon as possible. As soon as you start during your foundation years or even when you're back actually as a medical student, getting together the um, information you need for your portfolio takes a lot of time uh, and gaining crucial points requires uh, a lot of work. Don't leave it until the last minute. Thank you. You mentioned uh, gaining points. There's many ways to earn points in your applications to core surgical training. Let's just have a look at a few of the, uh, the different categories you can earn points in. Ones to focus on include teaching, audit, research, leadership and courses. We'll just look into those in a bit more depth now. Teaching. Aim to try and run several teaching se sessions or revision courses for your colleagues and medical students or perhaps for other allied healthcare professionals. Try to make these regular teaching sessions that are tailored towards an applicable curriculum that you can create to get maximum points. For example, setting up a teaching uh, course on common presentations that you'll find in F1 for medical students would be very useful. I think that's excellent advice, Ricky. Um, if you manage to uh, create uh, uh, almost a course of teaching sessions, then this will um, rank you a point up on the scoring system. Secondly, I'd say that it's really crucial to get feedback for your teaching. It's uh, very easy to go onto Word and design yourself a feedback form, print off 50, 60 of these and hand them out at every single one of your teaching session. Some people will not be able to mark you on your teaching unless you have evidence to show that you've got that teaching and, and, and the feedback uh, from that. Brilliant, thank you. The next section is audits. I try to aim for about one audit in every rotation or every other rotation if you take on a particularly big audit. Try to close the loop where possible to get maximum points. And always present your findings at local meetings as well as further afield. Speak to the audit lead for the team when you start each rotation, or perhaps just before the start of the rotation. I'm sure they'll have ideas for good audits for you if you can't think of anything. Recruit a team of like-minded individuals to try and share the workload, and to try and make larger audits more manageable. Try if possible to lead your own audits whilst helping colleagues out with theirs. You'll soon find the points racking up on your uh, core surgical training checklist. I'd say as well, do ask around in terms of where you can present your audits. It may not be a piece of research, but I know both myself and colleagues have presented audits at regional, national and even international meetings, and of course this scores you more points. Thank you. Which leads us on to research. This is probably the hardest category to score in, and don't panic, everyone struggles with this one. You may have done a previous degree or PhD or spent some time in research or been previously involved with some research as a medical student. If so, that's brilliant. You're already well ahead of the game. However, the vast majority of applicants won't have any points or many points in this section at all. Don't despair. If you've left enough, yourself enough time, you'll be able to score some points. Most people ask the same question. How do I get involved in research? And it's a hard question to answer as opportunities are very different when working with different teams. For example, you may find that your team contains an academic consultant, in which case they're an ideal first point of contact. It may be less obvious in other teams who is more active in research. 
However, you'll always be able to find consultants, registrars and SHOs in every team that are active in research or have a project or two in mind. Start by asking around in your team. Make it clear that you want to get involved with one or two projects and very soon you'll have a few ideas on the go. I would say be careful how much you take on. Projects need to be manageable and practical. If you find you've taken on a project that's not likely to yield results for a few years, consider taking on another smaller project in order to get something presented and or published by the time you apply for course surgical training. Always bear in mind it can take many months for your work to be ready and accepted for publication, so start as early as possible. Another category is leadership. Again, this is a category that people struggle to fill. However, there's an incredible amount of leadership roles that you can take on within your work, such as becoming a MESS rep or a BMA rep or specialty organisation reps. And if none of these are for you, consider your roles outside of medicine. There's often leadership opportunities to be taken up with sports teams, bands, choirs, charities. Find what you enjoy and start stepping up into a leadership position. Then there's courses. There's many courses that you can uh, look into. However, there's a few compulsory ones. For example, basic surgical skills, ATLS and ALS. Do these early as they get booked up very quickly, especially towards interview time. and It can be hard to get the study leave. Other courses are always useful and may gain you a point here or there, but remember that if you've done it, odds are that others have too, so don't rely on courses for gaining points. You'll also get far more out of investing your time into audits and research, as opposed to taking on lots of courses. The Royal College of Surgeons run a course called Preparing for a Career in Surgery, which is free and an extremely useful event. They take you through the applications to core surgical training and higher speciality training posts, they have interesting guest speakers about careers in surgery and they give several talks on how to build your portfolio with several example portfolios uh, on show. Do have a look at the person's specification for the core surgical training. You do need the essential uh, courses as Ricky has mentioned but you may actually find that you'll be able to score more points if you do some research or maybe just a smaller audit project that you present rather than going on and spending hundreds of pounds on extra courses, which you'll probably find that when you get to applying, everyone else has actually taken as well. Thank you, that's very useful advice. Okay, so you've submitted your application and all of the required evidence, and you've got an interview. So what happens now? First of all, I'd say be hot off the mark when it comes to booking an interview slot and booking the time off work. Particular slots that you might want to avoid are first time after lunch, or maybe even the first slot on the very first day. As I know interviewers have said to me in the past, that uh, takes them a bit of time to get used to the marking scheme themselves. The interview will consist of three stations, a clinical station, portfolio station, and a management station. They will each last for 10 minutes, and they have equal waiting. In each station, you'll have two examiners and potentially a layperson who will observe to ensure that the process is fair. It's held over approximately one week in London, so you need to take into account the fact that you'll need to travel down, and I'd advise that you probably stay somewhere the night before to avoid getting delayed in trains or in traffic. Do your prep work. Thank you. So let's just talk about each of those stations. Have you got any advice for applicants on preparing for the portfolio station? The most important thing here, I'd say, is to start building your portfolio early. It takes a surprisingly long amount of time to evidence everything. Use the layout of the core surgical training applicant checklist 
This makes it easier for the interviewers to check your evidence off, which helps them to award you the points, which is exactly what you want. Show your portfolio to multiple consultants, registrars and SHOs, and get suggestions on how best to organise it. Look out for holes in your portfolio checklist. Spend your time trying to fill these holes to get maximum points in each section. Brilliant, thank you. One tip I'd probably give as well is to actually look at the application specifications for SD3 interviews. If you can score well on that at this point, then it will stand you in good stead for applications in a couple of years' time. Okay, so Susie, what happens in the clinical station? You'll often get one acute scenario followed by one ward-based scenario. Read up on common surgical presentations and management. Do the ATLS course and read up on the ATLS and the ALS guidelines. It's really important in this scenario, in the emergency one, that you actually quote the A to E part of your assessment. Uh, make sure you're safe and you escalate. One of the most important things that somebody told me before my interview was that nobody's expecting you to be a registrar, nobody's expecting you to be a consultant. Don't try and pretend that you're going to go and take them for their laparoscopic appendix on your own in the middle of the night without anyone supervising you. Be safe and escalate where appropriate and you'll score top marks. Thank you. And lastly, let's discuss what's included in the management station. This year, the management station changed. You now have a three-minute presentation on your leadership skills or another similar topic. Prepare this well in advance and practice with as many people as you can get to listen so that it's fluid and to time. My advice for this is to use this as an opportunity to demonstrate how you've utilised your leadership skills in different roles over the years, bringing in as many different aspects of your CV as possible to show your experience in management and leadership. Also, be able to define the difference between management and leadership and try and get this across with your wish to continue developing your leadership skills throughout your career. Revise your presentation and practice it many times so that it looks natural and slick. Susie, what else is covered in the management station? Well, you'll need to read up on medical ethics and law and aspects of general surgical practice, for example, ASA grading and the WHO checklist. One book that I really would point you towards that I've used for my core surgical training and my registrar training is a book titled Medical Interviews. This was my Bible for interview practice and this goes over the ethics and clinical governance type questions in great detail on a level that you'll be able to understand and then replicate in your interview. I'd also say that you should read up on well-known cases, for example, mid-staffs, as topics like this might well come up. Thank you. I also use that book. It's very useful and has about 200 or so um, questions with mock answers. So very, uh, very useful. So then you cross your fingers until the jobs are released. But don't panic if you don't immediately get an offer after interviews, as some are put on a waiting list and many receive a job offer in the clearing stages. So that brings us to an end of this podcast on applying to core surgical training. We hope you found it useful and informative. For more information on the application process, please see the Aurea website at www.surgeryrecruitment.nhs.uk and also the Core Surgery Application Guide, released by the Core Surgery National Recruitment Office, which can be found online. Thank you, Susie, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Please check out the School of Surgery for more educational podcasts. <laughs>